Hey friends, I'm Holden Slathery here with my old friend Mark Ingram, just a couple of music and history buffs uh, doing the first episode of Origin Sample Remix, uh, where we're going to be talking about the origin of some great songs we both love that were remade or sampled in hip hop, turned into remixes or covered, et cetera, et cetera. And we're going to take you through a journey in time to explore how these songs lived on and gave birth to more great songs. So if you're watching on my uh, Looking Back Now YouTube channel, we're gonna include links below to the six songs we're mainly talking about. Uh, so you can listen to those, um, subscribe and you know, make a comment. Let us know what you think of the, um, the program or, or these songs. So how you doing, Mark? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm excited to do this. It was a fun research process and I'm uh... I'm excited to be on your, your YouTube channel, Holden. So this will be, be a good time. All right. So uh, I'm going to start with Don't Look Any Further by Dennis Edwards featuring Sita Garrett. Uh, so Dennis Edwards, he was the front man of the Temptations for much of the group's existence. There was a little bit of uh, changes that happened in the group over time. But um, for the few people, if you don't know the, who the Temptations are, I hope you at least know a couple of their songs uh, like My Girl or Get Ready. Um, I didn't know much about Dennis Edwards as a solo artist. Um, he sings this song with Sita Garrett who did a lot of backup singing and duets and wrote songs for other artists. In fact, she co-wrote Man in the Mirror uh, which is one of Michael Jackson's greatest songs. And at the time um, it was like kind of the first song that Michael Jackson did without writing himself. Um, so Don't Look Any Further uh, just has a really compelling bass line. It's a fun song. Um, it was his only uh, big solo hit, and I haven't really heard it get any airplay in our lifetime. Um, I just kind of recognize the bass line, but uh, I would definitely put this in my rotation. Yeah, it was definitely not a song I'd ever heard previously, uh, at least not uh, on the radio stations in my neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, so that brings me to Paid in Full by Eric B. and Rakim. So this was the title track on their 1987 debut album, um, Paid in Full. Uh, it samples the bass line from Don't Look Any Further. Um, and this, at this point, hip hop is really less than 10 years old, um, at least when it comes to recording. And uh, Rakim you know, at this time became not only a big commercial success, but totally changed the genre uh, with more complicated rhyme schemes, uh, lyrics that were way more ambitious than what anyone was doing at the time. You've probably heard all that before. Uh, but this, I think is just an iconic Eric B and Rakim song, one of their best. And I would say it's one of my favorite beats of theirs. Um, so it starts out um, thinking of a master plan because ain't nothing but sweat inside my hand. So I dig into my pocket, all my money spent. So I dig deeper, but still coming up with lint. Um, so you get that imagery, you know, um, it's simple, yeah, simpler than some, some of his other lyrics, but like really, um, really vivid. Um, and, sure. uh, you know, the songs about, you know, Rakim being broke, um, and trying to make money working a nine to five job while also pursuing his dream of a rap career. And he's looking back on ways he got money illegally in the past, but he's grown past that. He says he's become righteous. So um, 
yeah, I mean, um, it's their first studio album. So at the time when Rakim wrote it, he probably was broke. Um, and it's just a song about dreaming big and working toward your goals. Uh, when I was in college, uh, Daryl McDaniel from Run DMC actually came to give a, give a talk. And um, he referenced this song and that he liked the way Rakim said uh, he used to be a stick up kid, you know, robbing people, but that he's not doing that anymore. And what he was getting at was he thought there were too many rappers, especially nowadays or, or at the time who were really talking about a life of crime in the present tense, uh, even after they were famous. Um, so I think, you know, Jay-Z kind of found a niche where he talked about what he used to do, selling drugs and things like that, but reflecting back on it versus, you know, this is what I, this is what I do. Um, so that was, that was memorable for me. Um, yeah, that's a common theme in, in, in a lot of hip hop music is looking back on the sort of troubled past of, of mm -hmm. growing up in some of these communities. Yeah, totally. So that brings me to um, the paid in full uh, cold cut remix, Seven Minutes of Madness. Uh, that's all part of the title. <laughs> So this remix uh, is not just one of my favorite remixes. This is really just one of my favorite songs ever. Um, so Cold Cut was an English electronic music duo uh, made up of Matt Black and Jonathan Moore. Um, so they made the remix of this song um, and it features Israeli singer uh, Ofra Haza from her song uh, Amnin Naalu and uh, you know, Haza's parents were Jews from Yemen who emigrated to Israel. And her singing just has this really distinctive Middle Eastern style. Um, now, it's important to note um, the official music video for Pay Them Full is a shortened version of this remix. Um, and I think that's because this remix version really took off and became bigger than the original. But they weren't going to put a seven minute song into a you know, MTV music video. So look, looking up um, about this song, I mean, um, what I first saw just was on Wikipedia was that Cold Cut was commissioned to make this remix. Um, not sure what that exactly means because there's another interview with Rolling Stone where Eric B and Rakim kind of say they were over in England to perform and this was just played for them. And they were like, where did this come from? Uh, what is this? And kind of a little mad at first, but you know, we can look into that more, but it may have been something where it was done and then they decided to use it and put it on their album, make it their own official remix. So I don't know how it originally came about, but, you know, eventually Rakim started to really like it and people started to like it, like, especially in Europe, but also in the US, like, um, just was really unique sounding. And I think that Middle Eastern sound is something Rakim explored later on. Uh, there's one song uh, called Addictive by Truth Hurts. It was way more recent. Um, it's also got a Middle Eastern sound and starts out with that same first line, thinking of a master plan. Um, so check that one out. But um, yeah, this, this remix, uh, it starts with a guy saying, uh, this is a journey into sound. Um, that's the voice of British actor Jeffrey Sumner um, from a record that was turning into stereo sound where they were talking about stereo equipment like in the late 50s. 
Um, and um, yeah, it's just got some other spoken lines, some really random things um, like Humphrey Bogart um, from his uh, the 1946 film, The Big Sleep. Uh, there's a line Ooh. from him where it says, now, wait a minute, you're, you better talk to my mother. Um, well, but I think the best part is uh, Ofra Haza, like how her singing just adds to the flavor of the song. Um, and then there's also things from Eric B and Rakim, uh, like pump up the volume, uh, dance to the record, things Rakim said in other songs, like I Know You Got Soul um, that were put onto this remix. And uh, one other thing you can, uh, if you watch the movie Old School, you can see there's a frat party where Snoop Dogg comes out and does a cover of this song. And I remember when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's, that's a little weird. It's Snoop Dogg, he's doing the Rakim song. But, you know, I figured it's, it's a concert. People do covers. He's paying homage. Um, but actually, the year, the year before Old School came out, Snoop Dogg had a song called Papered Up, which was completely paying homage. He, he used that whole Rakim verse from this song. And the chorus made it sound more like Dennis Edwards uh, singing in... Um, don't look any further. Um, so I didn't realize that. So maybe it wasn't so much a cover in the movie, but Snoop doing his own song, which is really essentially, um, you know, paid in full. Um, but um, yeah, I would definitely uh, recommend some other uh, Rakim songs. I Ain't No Joke, Follow the Leader, um, Know the Ledge, Let the Rhythm Hit Him. But this one's right up there for me. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I have a few thoughts here. Uh, I enjoyed listening to your songs. Um, so as far as the original goes, uh, I watched the music video. I don't know if you had a chance to see it. Uh, and I don't want to like make fun of it because it is an older video. It was before music video technology kind of advanced and music videos became a big thing. But I just remember really just being amused by watching them sing together. And he has this such like a swagger to his his demeanor and the way he's looking at her is very lascivious and it's just like a song that I feel like it's one of those great songs that it, you know you take your your girl back to your place and you're trying to set the mood so you throw on a song like that and it really kind of creates the vibe that you're going for so I, I thought the song honestly I thought it was a little corny but I can appreciate it at the same time definitely yeah um yeah as far as, go ahead uh, no no you keep going Okay. Okay. Um, as far as the, the Rakim song, um, I'm not a huge Rakim fan, but I do appreciate his delivery. He has one of the cleanest, most just crisp deliveries of any rapper that I've ever heard. And it's crazy considering he was one of the original rappers, you know, and he has an unmatched delivery that is just, you know, there's other rappers that we'll get into, obviously, like Biggie who has a great delivery, but he's just right up there in that top tier as far as just flow. And you can understand every word he says. And I enjoy, you know, mumble rap and, and, and lyrics that are buried into the music, but I also appreciate uh, Rakim's delivery. Um, and then lastly, you know, the remix, that was actually my favorite of all three. Uh, it had a mood to it. Uh, and you talked about a lot of the elements in that song that I think created that feel but it had such a unique feel and it was a seven minute song, which is long, but it, it's one of those songs that goes by so quickly, you know, that you don't feel like you're like 
slogging through a really long song. It's a very quick seven minutes. It has a great, just kind of calming vibe to it. And um, yeah, I just, I enjoyed that one probably the most out of all three. Yeah, same. Um, I'll say one other thing real quick. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of, you, you, you quoted a lot of Rakim uh, and in my research, and you may have come across this too, but, but Rakim was a member of, I think they called it the five percenters. Uh, which is like an offshoot of Islam and like the nation of Islam, I believe. And I don't know a lot about that religion in the specifics, but it originated in New York City. And a lot of like early hip hop slang comes from that, uh, that religion and some of those beliefs. Uh, and members of Wu-Chang, which we'll discuss later, are also members of that same religion. Oh, it's really interesting. Didn't realize that. But I, I heard that about uh, Rakim, but not about Wu-Chang. Um, yeah yeah great well um you want to launch into uh to what you've been listening to for this? sure so uh for my songs i chose walk on by by dion warwick uh that was my original for my uh kind of switching the order but for my remix here i chose isaac hayes walk on by and for my sample I went with I Can't Go to Sleep by Wu-Tang Clan featuring Isaac Hayes. So mm -hmm. I'll talk a little bit about uh, the original here uh, by Di uh, Dionne Warwick. Uh, this song was actually composed by Burt Bacharach. Mm -hmm. Bacharach, I'm not sure how you say his name, but I know he's a, he's, he's a famous songwriter. Bacharach. How do you say it, Holden? Uh, I say I, I've heard Bacharach. That's the way I know. <laughs> Could be wrong. Okay, we'll go with Bacharach here. That's fine. Uh, but he composed this song and the lyrics were by Hal David. They wrote it for uh, Dionne Warwick. Uh, this was a song that was very successful. Uh, it was number six on the Billboard charts and number one on the R&B charts in 1964. It was nominated for a Grammy Award. Uh, so it was a very uh, successful song. One thing about the song I really liked is she did uh, a German version of it. Uh, and I thought going into it that it would be kind of silly, like, you know, her singing in German, it just seemed like odd. Uh, but it was a beautiful song and it captured every, every bit of emotion uh, that the English version did. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, this was song is, you know, even though I hadn't heard it, uh, like Rolling Stone has it as like number 70 on one of the greatest songs of all time. So, you know, take lists and rankings for what it is, but it was a, uh, a popular song. Um, so I'll go in here to the, uh, the Isaac Hayes version. Uh, I will say that um, a lot of bands and artists have covered this song. Uh, and some other artists covered the song and did very straight ahead versions of it. Didn't change a whole lot from the Warwick version until Isaac Hayes came along. And this was in 1969. And he really stretched the form of this song uh, and made it into something that in a way has almost been like jet fuel for hip hop because he took this song, he stretched it out to 12 minutes and then it, he kind of did a, a funk soul version of it. Uh, but so many hip hop artists have sampled it. Uh, over a hundred hip hop artists have sampled uh, this song in different ways and different elements from it. Uh, but a little bit about the song, uh, it was recorded in Memphis. Uh, they wanted to create a, a sound like an orchestral sound to this, to this whole album. It's off the album, Hot Buttered Soul. Uh, and that album only has four songs on it, but they're all like really long songs. Uh, and 
Most of them are cover songs of Burt Bacharach songs, in fact. Uh, there's only one original Isaac Hayes song on that album. Uh, but in the process of creating that, they wanted this really big sound. So they recorded like the guitar parts and the piano parts. Uh, well, Hayes was playing an organ uh, in his singing. They recorded that in Memphis. And then they took those recordings to Detroit, uh, where a bunch of well-known engineers uh, who are you know, highly regarded in the engineering game, I won't list them all, but uh, they added this, this technique, which is called um, like delayed reverb. Uh, and basically uh, it gives a sound, it makes the sound appear as if it was recorded in a larger room than it actually was. So it gave it a bigger sound. And that, that, that technique, uh, and I won't go into the weeds on that because you know you could do that, but that would take forever. But um, that technique was used on a lot of other Motown records and it was used in a lot of commercials in the 1960s. So these, these engineers were working on Hayes records, but they were working on uh, Marvin Gaye records and all, a lot of other great Motown records to give it a distinctive sound. Uh, you know, it's a beautiful song. It, it's another one of those songs that's a fast song, even though it's 12 minutes long. So uh, I, I really enjoy it. Uh, it's a song I can listen to and get, get work done to. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that, that is pretty amazing. Yeah. Once I listened to it a few times, I got really into it. Um, and um, yeah, it seems totally original for the time and um, revolutionary. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Hot Buttered Soul is a highly regarded album in the sort of the funk soul R&B genre. Um, I listened to some of the other songs there. It's it's I don't want to say it's a challenge, but it's, it's a very unique listening experience. You know, he has a 19 minute song on that album. And the first nine minutes is almost like spoken word poetry. Uh, so it's definitely music to sort of if you have some time to kind of sit back and, you know, take it all in. You gotta have a little patience. One thing I heard was that, um, you know, he was friends with Martin Luther King and after King was assassinated, he kind of was really keeping to himself for a while. And then he kind of, um, sometime after he recorded this album and, uh, you know, put a lot of emotion into it. I think this is a very emotional song, this, um, you know, walk on by. I don't know if it's referring to that, but yeah. referring to the general, the general mood he was in. Right. I think the lyrics can be interpreted in a lot, lot of different ways. And then I think even maybe the, the, the intent behind the Warwick version lyrics probably maybe has a different meaning than perhaps the Hayes, his intent with his lyrics. You know what I mean? Like the phrase walk on by can be interpreted loosely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Well, I think it, it's, you see that person walk in on the street or somewhere and they're crying and you don't know whether you should, you know, say something, see if they're all right or not. In this case, I think they're saying, the per the singer is saying, when they see the person who kind of broke their heart, that's when they start crying, but they don't want it to be acknowledged. They want to hide it, the, you know, to save whatever pride they have left. Right, so are you suggesting perhaps that maybe the Warwick version was like a love song, whereas the Hayes version, it's he's maybe, he's speaking about Martin Luther King or maybe experiencing regret because of that? I don't know. Uh, not exactly. I'm just kind of, I'm just, I was just, that was just what I heard about where he, where he was, you know, mentally when, you know, he went to record, but 
Um, yeah, not no, maybe, but not so much the lyrics because they're kind of remain the same. But um, you know, yeah, you can you can take the lyrics, but then you can put all the you know the feeling into the the song and the instrumentals. And obviously, there's there's a ton there. Um, you know, a whole uh, a whole sound, um, a lot of different sounds. Yeah, definitely a lot of different sounds. You know, that's probably what helped in, in making it so widely sampled. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's elements in hip hop artists bard who that are just like the guitar parts or the, the organ parts. It's not necessarily always Hayes' singing, which is great, but it's so many little elements of that song are iconic. Mm -hmm. So um, I'll go into my final song here. Uh, this would be the sample. Um, I chose I Can't Go to Sleep by Wu-Tang. Uh, this song uh, came out on an album that was released. It's called The W. It came out in 2000, which was actually a later Wu-Tang project. You know, if you think 36 Chambers came out in 1993, and then they had that big double album. And then they went and recorded a lot of them, did solo projects, and they kind of came back together in 2000 for this project. Uh, it's an album that was quite successful, uh, but it also has a very thrown together quality to it. It's a little bit rougher around the edges than even previous Wu-Tang projects. And, and you can say Wu-Tang strives to be a little rough around the edges, but even this, this particular album has a little bit of a thrown together feel to it. Now it has uh, my personal favorite Wu-Tang song of all time, which is Careful, Click, Click. Uh, and has this very almost hilarious music video. I won't go into it, but that is a great song off this album. Uh, but for this particular, uh, pod, I am going to look at I Can't Go to Sleep, which is also a wonderful song. Uh, the first verse is by Ghostface, Killa, uh, and the second verse is by RZA. Both verses parallel each other in terms of uh, the emotional arc to what they're saying, as well as a lot of the things they reference, and I'll talk about a couple of those. Uh, the beat bar is heavily from Walk On By, uh, and what Isaac Hayes does sing the chorus here, uh, but Ghostface starts off um, he's mentioning a lot of the traumatic uh, elements and things that he's seen in the urban community. And he specifically even references the assassinations of Tupac, uh, Biggie, uh, Big L. He mentions the death of Big Pun. Um, you know, he references the crack epidemic. Uh, and um, he also includes a lot of religious imagery as well. And he seemed to suggest that those people who have like inflicted the violence on his community and communities like his will receive judgment before God. Uh, it gets very intense as he's progressing through this imagery. Uh, he has an image in here, uh, feds jumping out of their Jeeps. I can't go to sleep. Babies with flies on their cheeks. It's hard to go to sleep. And that image in particular was very, uh, it stuck with me. You know, the idea, we see these, this footage uh, of, of children in starvation and squalid conditions with flies landing on their cheeks. We see these commercials and these documentaries and it's in, it kind of implies that they don't even have the strength to wipe away those flies. You know, it's such a, it's such a hard life and he's able to convey so much information with just one image. And I thought that was really uh, very touching in a way. Um, he goes on uh, to talk about, he's driving through the community. He says he's gonna get some he implies that he's going to get weed. Uh, he talks about driving past the, the spot where you get PCP. Uh, he's including this drug imagery uh, 
at least the way I interpreted it, uh, as a coping mechanism for the horrors that he sees around him in his community. Uh, and then at that point, he's getting to the end of his verse and his, his vocal uh, quality, it, it goes up a notch. He's almost like yelling and it's almost like yelling, screaming and crying at the same time as he says he's going to bring war to the people who hurt him. Uh, and it's just a very, uh, it's like a call to war. It's a call to action that he has right there at the end of his verse. And it's very powerful and goes perfectly with the music. And then Isaac Hayes comes in with the chorus. And Isaac Hayes, uh, his chorus uh, seems to suggest also that he's wanting to see people come together and put the past behind them in these communities. Even though they've seen horrible things, uh, he's, he's, it's a message to try to end war, so to speak, and urging people to move on from the past. It's kind of uplifting in a way, I think. I think, he, I think it's trying to contrast the message, the darker message that Ghostface is, is putting out. Uh, and you see a little bit of that echoed in the second verse as well. Riza comes in. Riza, but not known necessarily for his rapping. You know, he's more of a producer. Uh, you know, he's extremely successful. He's the 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 brains behind Wu Chang, at least in my opinion. And his verse is quite good in this song. Uh, he references numerous assassinations as well, just like Ghostface did. Uh, he says they shot Malcolm in the chest in front of his little seeds, which you know, it's it's. It's hard for me to quote like rap songs and, and not sound corny, but like that was a powerful image as well, referencing Malcolm X getting shot in front of his children at an event or I think that he was doing, uh, which is just, you know, it's a, it's a brutal image. Uh, he has numerous other images of assassination in this song. Oh, Jacqueline, you heard the rifle shots crackling, her husband's head in her hands, you tried to put it back in. Uh, and that's a reference to the Kennedy assassination and a, and a vivid, gruesome one at that. You know, we've seen that horrible footage of, of the Kennedy assassination and Jackie O is, you know, arms around her dead husband trying to like put him back together. Uh, and then it even goes on. He's still talking about Jackie O. He says, America's, wa America's watching blood stained ink blotches. And that is a reference I didn't pick up on at first, but when you study it, it's a reference to her the inauguration ceremony of LBJ as he's being sworn in as president after Kennedy was assassinated and she's standing next to him with blood on her outfit still. Uh, so he's talking about that. He references Madger Evers getting assassinated. Um, he references, as we mentioned before, a lot of imagery about the five percenters um, and basically trying to wrap his brain around everything that he's seeing, the horrors that he's seeing. And his verse ends uh, with him, like at a crossroads, you know, he says, what should I do? Or let me see here. They got me trapped up in a metal gate, just stressed out with hate. Give me no time to relax and use my mind to meditate. What should I do? Grab a blunt or a brew, grab a tutu and run out there and bring this violence to you. I'm paraphrasing there that last part, but he's, he's facing a choice just like Ghostface. Do I inflict violence on those who hurt me or do I turn to drugs and alcohol? Neither one is really a good choice. And it's, it highlights sort of the, the rock and a hard place situation that they're in. Um, Hayes finishes out the song. Uh, he says, don't let the game make you lose your head. You should be calm on the shots instead. The power is in your hands. Stop all this crying and be a man. Um, and I don't think that's like uh, a message to like, don't ever show emotion. I think it's more like, don't let the world destroy you. 
You know, you have to take control of your destiny. That's how I interpret it, at least. And I guess others can interpret it in different ways as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, yeah. And uh, the really noticeable thing for me, and you know, in the first verse, uh, Ghostface Killer is really like crying for a lot of it. And he and Rizzo, they both kind of go in and out of, of the mood a little bit, or kind of you can see kind of mood changes midway through their verses. But that, that crying and rapping, um, the only time I ever heard that before um, was um, Kendrick Lamar on the song You on To Pimp a Butterfly. Uh, and Kendrick mm -hmm. has it even more intensely, but I think he definitely you know, took influence from this. Um, but yeah, in that song, Kendrick Lamar was like, sounds kind of really upset, maybe drunk and just like tons of emotions. So that, that, that's the only other, those are the only times I've heard someone rapping sounding like they were crying. If I could say one thing about that, that is what really appealed to me about this song is I had never heard anything that was that emotional in a hip hop song. You know, they're, they're showing so much, uh, you know, kind of vulnerability in a way, uh, which is, you know, rare in hip hop because it's, it's a very sort of machismo culture in a lot of ways, you know, show strength, don't show a lot of emotion unless it's like just demonstrate power. Uh, but with this song, even though they're kind of in that same mold, uh, it's a lot of, uh, you just really feel it. I, I really felt it. And it kind of showed uh, a human side to a lot of, of, of hip hop, you know, and I was new to hip hop when I first heard this song. So that was just a whole different style that I'd never heard. Definitely. Well, yeah. I mean, thanks for sharing those songs. Um, I really enjoy them. I'm going to put them in my rotation. So uh, yeah, it was great doing this with you, Mark. Yeah, you too, Holden. I enjoyed it. All right. We'll talk soon. Take care. You too. You too.